0: Well, officially, I can say Merry Christmas. Uh, we're actually in the second week of Advent right now, if you can believe that. Uh, and a special thanks to John, who spoke uh, last week while I was away visiting family and celebrating Thanksgiving and getting sick because I ate something at Thanksgiving, and, um, and it was just a good time. Um, but today, I want ch- st- to start with Matthew chapter 1, uh, verses 18 to 23. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So we're in the Christmas season. It's the time that we celebrate and talk about Jesus coming into the world to save mankind from its sin. It's a time that we celebrate God with us, a time when God literally showed up. And so today... I want to just take some time and talk about what it's like when God shows up as we continue our series in 1 Peter, because there are some interesting connections there with Christmas. So today, I want to talk about three different stories of God coming to dwell with us. The first story of coming, God coming to dwell with us is when God's presence comes into the temple, when it is finished being built for the first time, God's presence comes to live in the temple. So in 2 Chronicles, uh, if you want to turn there, uh, Second Chronicles chapter 5 is where we're going to be starting. But in 2 in Chronicles chapter 5, Solomon, who's King David's son, finished building the temple. God put it on David's heart to build the temple, but God said, I love your heart with that. A uh, good idea, um, but that's not gonna be for you. That's gonna be for your son. And so Solomon builds the temple and the last thing they do when the temple is being built, the last thing they do is they put the Ark of the Covenant in the temple. And so in Second Chronicles chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, this is what happens. The trumpeters and musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by the trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, the singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, he is good, his love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And so that happens, and then Solomon prays this prayer to God to dedicate the temple to to prepare for God's glory to come. And so in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, starting at verse 4, Solomon says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who with his hands has fulfilled what he promised with his mouth to my father David. For he said, Since the day I brought my people out of Egypt, I have not chosen the city in any tribe of Israel to have a temple built. So that my name might be there. Nor have I chosen anyone to be the ruler over my people Israel. But now I have chosen Jerusalem for my name to be there. And I have chosen David to rule my people Israel. But my father David had it in his heart to build a temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father David, You did well to have it in your heart to build a temple for my name. Nevertheless, you are not the one to build the temple, but your son, your own flesh and blood, he is the one who will build the temple for my name. The Lord has kept the promise he made. I have succeeded my father, and now I sit on the throne of Israel, just as the Lord promised. And I have built the temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. There I have placed the ark, which is the covenant of the Lord he has made with the people of Israel. And then a little, bit, a little bit further down in verse 14, he continues the prayer saying, he said, Lord, the God of Israel, there is no one like you in heaven or on earth. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants who continue, to whole, continue wholeheartedly in your way. You've kept your promise to your servant, David, my father. With your mouth, you have promised and with your hand, you have fulfilled it as it is today. Now, Lord, the God of Israel, keep for your servant David, my father, the promises you made to him when you said, you shall never fail to have a successor to sit before me on the throne of Israel, if only your descendants are careful in all they do to walk before me according to my law, as you have done. And now, Lord, the God of Israel, let your word that you promised to your servant David come true, but will the... God really dwell on earth with humans? The heavens, even the highest heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple that I have built. Yet Lord, my God, give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy. Hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence. May your eyes be open to the temple day and night, this place of which you said you would put your name there may you hear the prayer of your servant towards this place and solomon goes can, and continues to pray this long prayer for all the people and he finishes it saying and this is 2nd chronicles chapter 6 verse 41 now arise lord god and come to your resting place you and the ark of your might may your priests lord god be clothed with your with salvation may your faithful people rejoice in your goodness and then in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, starting at verse 1, it says, When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshiped God and gave thanks to the Lord saying, he is good, his love endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord and King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 head of cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. So the king and all the people dedicated the temple of God. This is the first time... That God comes to make his dwelling place with his people. He has appeared before. His presence had been with them in the past. He had visited. But this is a whole new thing. In the past, in Eden, he would come and visit. He would come and walk in the garden. It, as the Israelites were moving through the, the wilderness, they would have the tabernacle. And they would set the tabernacle up and God's presence would come sometimes to be there. He would walk with them as a cloud of fire and the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud. But this is different. God had they had had Solomon build his temple, and now God's presence came to dwell with humans. And did you catch it? It is too much for Solomon, the, the wisest man who ever lived to to fathom this. Did you catch what he said? He said he said I, I don't how can you come and live in this temple that I built? You you you're Goodness, your glory fills the heavens, the highest heavens. And yet you've come to, build, to, to be in this temple. And so the fire of God comes down, fills the temple, and God made his dwelling place among his people. The second story that we're going to read about today of God coming to dwell with us It's the story that we celebrate this time of year. And if God's presence coming to dwell with the people in the temple blew Solomon's mind, I would have loved to see Solomon's reaction to this. In John chapter 1, verse 14, John says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. And going back to what we read earlier in Matthew chapter one in in verse 21 to 23, it says, she will give birth to a son and you're to name him Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet the virgin will conceive and birth to, give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel which means god with us jesus made his dwelling among us can you, i mean if 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 god's presence coming to the tabernacle blew solomon's mind how much more would god himself coming to live with us would that have just completely put solomon in awe. It says in John chapter 1 verse 14 that we read that, that Jesus made his dwelling among us. The word dwelling there is, is translated from the word tabernacled. That God literally sent his presence, sent himself to come and visit with us, to tabernacle with us. And Jesus lived with us, though without sin. And Jesus came and he he brought light and life into the world. And he was born, Jesus was born, God was born into humanity so that he could die on a cross for your sins and my sins. So that he could be raised three days later, conquering death so that we might have life in and through him. And when he finished his work, dying for the sins of mankind, the temple of the curtain, the the curtain of the temple, the place where the fire and the presence came down and filled in 2 Chronicles, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. The, The curtain that separated humanity from the presence of God was torn in two from the top to the bottom, torn in two by God himself from top, from up, to down, to from top to bottom. God removing the barrier between us and him as Jesus died on the cross. He, it didn't happen from bottom to top. It didn't happen from us to God. Not us removing the barrier because there was nothing, there is nothing that we can do to remove the separation between God and ourselves. Only God can do that. But because that baby came, Because Jesus came, because Jesus died, because God died on the cross, God removed the barrier so that nothing would separate us from him, so that nothing would separate us from God. So that we're really just a decision away from receiving God into our life. And that's exciting stuff. That's exciting stuff. That that we have nothing, no barrier between us and the presence of God. In In the Old Testament, there was the holy place, the most holy place. And even most of the priests couldn't go in there. One priest a year could go into the most holy place and they tied a rope around his ankle so that when he would go into that most holy place, if he did anything wrong, if there was anything in him that was not holy, God would strike him dead so they could pull him out because they couldn't go into the most holy place. And yet Jesus came, made his dwelling among us, died for us so that the temple curtain could be ripped in two so there would be nothing between us and God. That's amazing. That's amazing. But it gets better. It really does. And that's where our third story comes in and where our first Peter passage today comes in. In 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 4 to 9, he says this. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple." Peter says that God has a new temple, a spiritual temple, and that that new temple is alive. That Christ is the living cornerstone. The cornerstone is is, is the thing that everything else is built on. The, the cornerstone of this temple is Jesus, the the living Christ. But then he goes on to say this: that he says that. You are living stones that God is building into his temple. That we, along with Jesus, make up this new temple. And and watch what God does with this temple. This is cool. See if this sounds familiar. This is in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they, where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. Just like in 2 Chronicles, the fire of God comes and settles in and fills His temple. We are His temple and God sends His fire down to to prove that we are His temple and fills us, that we are the place that God comes to dwell in. In Ephesians chapter two, verses 20 to 22, it says that together we are His house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone, he says, sounds familiar, is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. And in verse 22, it says, and in him, you two are being built together to watch this become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. He says that God has come to make his dwelling now in us. That first, in in John it talks about God making his dwelling, came and dwelled with us as Jesus. In the Old Testament you see see God coming and making his dwelling in the temple. But in the New Testament... Peter's saying, Paul is saying, everybody's saying, you're the temple now, and God has made his dwelling in you, and God has sent his fire of his presence and his spirit into you. It makes so much more sense. A lot of the things God says, when you understand that we are his temple, when he says, Be holy as I am holy, as he does in, as, as he does in 1 Peter, and as as Jesus says, that to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. It makes so much more sense because we have to be holy because we're his temple now. Think about how holy the temple had to be. Everything in the temple had had a special purpose. Everything in that temple was considered holy. Since we're his temple now, we have to be holy because we're where his fire, where his presence lives. Makes so much more sense when God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 to flee from sexual sin no other sin, it says, clearly affects the body as this one does for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. He says, don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? That what we do with, with our lives, with our bodies, what we do matters because we're the place that God has chosen to be his temple now if God has chosen to live and make you a part of his temple, if you're a brick in this temple that God is building, is the temple in disrepair? Is your temple where the Holy Spirit resides, where God's fire lives, where God's presence is, is the temple in disrepair? Jesus died so that we could be cleansed and made holy. Why? Because God was coming to live in us. Because God was coming in to live in us. Well, sin couldn't have any part of us. We had to be cleansed. We had to be made clean. And how does that happen? Through the blood of Jesus. Jesus. Because we're going to be the temple. In, in Hebrews, it talks about that the temple was just really a shadow of what is happening in, in heaven. And that Jesus went with his own blood and cleansed, and cleansed that temple and, and sprinkled his blood for the cleansing of the sins of humanity. Jesus died so that we could be cleansed so that the temple, us, could be cleansed and made holy so that even though we're still struggling with sin in our lives, God might be able to reside in us. We should be excited about that. That should be amazing to us that God would do that. We should be in awe of his grace and mercy to allow that to happen. Again, it's Christmas. We should celebrate that. In the Old Testament, anybody who would go into the holy place and wasn't holy would be struck dead by God's holy presence. If you are his temple, what does that temple look like in here? Because what it looks like in here, it matters. If you're holding on to bitterness, if you're holding on to anger, if you're holding on to unforgiveness, what it looks like in here matters because it's part of God's temple. You should take it seriously. If all we put in here is, it is a bunch of dirty, filthy stuff that we're watching or reading or listening to or having conversations about, if, if, if we're just continually polluting God's temple, that's a problem. That's why confession and repentance is so important because we have to keep cleaning out the temple. Keep on praying every day that God will continually be filling us and making his dwelling in us before you even get out of bed in the morning, before your feet hit the floor, praying and saying, Holy Spirit, fill me today. God, fill me forgive me for, for all my sins. Pray, pray like David prayed in Psalms. Pray, forgive me for the things that I don't even know that I did. Pray, uh, forgive me for, for my unknown sins, for the, for the things that I haven't even seen. Just continually praying and asking God to clean out the temple, clean out the temple, clean out the temple because the temple, we want to be holy and to keep on praying every day that God would continually fill us and make his dwelling with us because God that's what God wants for us God wants to make his dwelling with us so much so that he sent Jesus to dwell with us so he could die for us so that we could be cleansed and all that sin could be covered in the blood of Jesus God wants that for us God wants to be it's not a mistake that he became God with us he wanted that to be God with us that's why we together as a church have to repent to come together as a church and confess our sin because we together make up his temple In the Old Testament, they would call solemn assemblies, which was the church coming together, which was the people of Israel coming together, and together as a group, together as a corporate body, coming to repentance and confession and confessing their sin to God. We together make this temple up. That's why we together need to repent and confess our sins. How evident is it that God's spirit has filled us? I mean, look at the Old Testament. It was evident. It was clearly be able to be seen that God's presence was in his people or in his temple. Because you could see the fire when the people saw the fire coming down. what they do? They got down on their faces and, and, and prayed because they could see the fire. They could see his presence. How evident is it that God has filled us? Is it obvious that we are God's temple because people look at us and go, of course. How evident is it that when people see us that it's obvious that God's spirit fills us? When people people walk in through those doors visiting, do they just automatically go, oh my goodness, Jesus has to be here? When they see us together as a body, do they instantly recognize that God's spirit is here, that the fire is here? Because if if we can't look different in the world if we can't love each other better than the world if we can't love people out in the world better than the world if we can't forgive each other better than the world if we can't show grace and mercy and love to each other better than the world then i'm guessing that people probably don't recognize the spirit of God living in the temple. You hear stories this time of year of people doing all of these amazing things, all of these great acts of generosity, all of these people going out of their way and doing things to to help build people up and change lives and give hope and, and all of these things. And these people aren't even Christians. People that are being radically generous. People that are doing things and helping people and all of these things, then they're doing it because it's Christmas, but they're not even Christians. If we can't do a better job than them, then, then do we really have the spirit that people in the Old Testament fell on their face for? You know, with everything that's gone on this week, I, I ran across a, a study about a month ago that said that the suicide rate in America has gone up 53% in the past 10 years. That's significant. I, I did the math, and that means in the past 10 years, more Americans have died by suicide than Americans died in World War II. That should be heartbreaking. That, you know, you read the stories, you hear the old newsreels, you, you watch the movies uh, where they talked about all of, all of our boys that died over there in World War II and, and, the, and the flags they used to hang in the windows for their sons that had gone to World War II and died in battle. And yet in the past 10 years on American soil there have been more people die at their own hand. That should break our hearts. But what is even maybe more heartbreaking is where's the church been why why couldn't people see the hope and love and grace and peace and forgiveness of Jesus through us where 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 was the fire of the temple and i'm not saying that we just completely missed it i know people for sure are in this church today that that have that considered suicide that have thought about it in the past 10 years that are here today because of the fire in the temple but I'm just wondering church if we need to do better as the church in America today at letting people see the Holy Spirit of God living in us and in the temple how evident is it when people see us that the Spirit of God fills us if we can't love better, serve better, forgive better than the world, if we can't celebrate Christmas better than the world, then what does that say about his temple, his dwelling place? He has made his dwelling place with us. It should show. And my goodness, we should celebrate that. Again, go back to Solomon. Solomon was like, I, I, you, your glory, it, it can't even fill the highest heavens. How, how the heck is it gonna fill this temple? That same glory, that same awesomeness of God now fills us. We should celebrate that. That should be good news to us. That should be great news to us. That we should be in awe of that. That should blow our minds every single day that Christmas happens every single day for a Christian because every single day Jesus comes and is in our life. Jesus comes down to earth, not just on December 25th, which isn't probably his real even birthday, but Jesus comes down and, and comes down to us every single day. We have Christmas every single day. We should celebrate that. We should be a people of celebration because Christmas happens, it sounds like a Christmas card, I know, but, it sound, but Christmas happens every day in us. And it should show, we should celebrate that. We have these three stories of God coming to dwell with us when his, his presence and his fire came and fell in the temple of the Israelite people in 2 Chronicles we have the story of when his when his son came to earth and to die as a sacrifice and the curtain of the temple could be torn in two so that there was nothing between us and God's presence and so that through God's holiness and God's mercy and God's blood that we could be cleansed so that we could become the temple. And then when the spirit of God came at Pentecost and his presence and the fire came down and filled his new temple, this spiritual temple, this, this new temple that God is building that Peter was talking about, so that he could live and dwell in us. Christmas is the celebration of Jesus coming to us. And we together, along with Christ the cornerstone, make up this new temple that God comes to us and lives with us. How cool is that? And when we, together, united as one temple with, with the presence of God living in each of us living stones of that temple, with Jesus Christ as the cornerstone of that temple. What does Jesus say about that? He says in Matthew sixteen eighteen, I will build my church and all the powers of hell won't conquer it. The Bible is a story of God continually coming to us, of us turning our backs on God and God coming anyway. He came to Adam and Eve in the garden, seeking them out after they had sinned. He came as a cloud and a fire when when they were walking, wandering in the wilderness because they had disobeyed God, didn't have faith. He came as a baby, the most approachable thing ever, so that his people could approach the very presence of God. And he came as fire when he came to dwell in his people as a spiritual temple. The simple fact is that God has been coming to you, seeking you out all your life. And you have the opportunity to join him and be part of that living temple, to be a part of his church. Christianity, it's not something that you can do solo. We are meant to be united as a family, as one temple. We are, it says, his temple. And Christ is our cornerstone. Christmas is the celebration of Jesus coming to us. Maybe we just don't realize how much Christmas happens. The Bible is a story of God continually entering our screwed up human situation again and again and again. And he still does that today. Jesus coming to us. We need to celebrate his filling we need to continually seek his filling we need to continually seek after Christmas not the holiday but continually seek after Christmas of Jesus coming to us to be God with us he says in Revelation chapter 3 here I am I've come again I've come to you again I'm standing at the door knocking if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come in in John chapter 1 verse 12 John says yet to all who did receive him to all that believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God Jesus has come will you receive him today will you allow him to make your life a part of that living temple that he can dwell with you always so that we together can be his temple and the gates of hell can't stand against us. So that we together can on a whole new better level understand what we say when we say Merry Christmas and receive it and let people see true Christmas in you. Let's pray.